0: lovely to be here, lovely to see you. If you're new, I had a welcome. It's great uh, that you're here and hope you want to hang out a bit and make some connections because church is all about connections rather than about buildings. Connections with God, first of all, but then with each other and those two things are linked. Um, we've just been away for a little while, which has been really great and, and had a bit of a break, but nice to come back. And God is doing some significant things. I'm absolutely convinced of that uh, and I'm going to say something about that, which I just felt to say... Um, earlier as we are worshipping, but uh, it, you don't need to be a sports fan like me to love the story of the underdog, you know, the Emma Kanu kind of story, the the, 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 the little fish that beats the, beats the big fish kind of thing, those kind of stories. We, we sort of love them, the David and Glath kind of a thing. And you may or may not have clocked this, but if you're a rugby fan, you will do. Fiji, uh, in all of their Olympic participation in history, have won three medals, only three, two gold, one bronze, all in the same sport. Uh, Rugby sevens, you probably know that. Uh, The men won the gold medal twice, the women won the bronze uh, this year. And having won the gold medal... This uh, Olympics, a couple of months ago, there was an interview with the captain of the Fiji team and the interviewer said, on live TV, and the interviewer said, so this is amazing. You're, you're from a tiny little nation. You're a very small squad. You have no resources. You have very little funding compared with all of the other nations that you've just beaten, like Australia and England and you know the rest, South Africa, and, and so on. And, uh, and you've traveled for months because they had to leave their little island to go somewhere else to do some training. And then COVID hit and you had to stay there for months more from your family or in this little place you couldn't leave it you have no resources what accounts for your success and the captain of the Fiji uh, rugby team didn't blink he said well we trust Jesus we love Jesus Christ we trust him and we pray about everything we pray about stuff together as a team we pray about different things we don't necessarily pray to win but we pray that we would give God glory in the way that we are together and that is what accounts for our success and they stopped talking. And then, it, and then it goes back to the studio. And there's these pundits and the and the, the, interview, the, the guy the presenter in the, in the studio. And he goes, it's amazing, isn't it? Little Fiji have just retained the gold medal in uh, rugby sevens. And they've got no resources. They've got no funding. They're a small little nation. They're much smaller than the others. I wonder what accounts for their success. And the other pundits are there and they are going, yeah, I have no idea. It's really strange, isn't it? The captain of the team has just spoken about what accounts for their success in his book, but no reference. No, no, no. We can't touch that thing called prayer. or we'll go there. That's far too scary. It's got kind of a beautiful moment. I don't know what you think about that kind of thing. But uh, it represents a kind of view of prayer, which is a bit prevalent in a, in, a, in a Western, educational, rational, kind of we want to explain everything kind of a culture that says we, 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 if we can't explain it, then we don't really want to touch it. And there's a sort of cynicism around that. And we sort of get that. And actually, we in the church, we, those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, at some level, I'm not going to use the word cynicism, but we, we too will have our questions, right? We too will have our, our, thing, our, our issues with this funny word, pray. I say the word prayer and you're thinking a whole bunch of different things. I've always said as a pastor, it's probably the, the easiest thing to make us all feel really guilty. I say, how's your prayer life? And you feel like a worm because your prayer life's never as good as you want it to be. But we do carry those questions and they're all legitimate, by the way. Um, we could already even be thinking, hang on a minute, the Fiji guys, they're built like tanks, they train really hard, they're very skillful. Surely it's down to that, isn't it? Or is it you know, why, why the prayer thing? Why, why that? We might have our question, is it, so is it just stuff happens, but is, is that just coincidence? There's always another explanation, right? We can always, if we wanted there's always room for, for doubt or for questioning or for going, well, I'm not sure if it was prayer so much. Or what happens about the whole unanswered prayer thing? It's all very well talking about prayer. What about unanswered prayer? What happens when you know, it doesn't happen, the thing doesn't happen? What happens when that prayer is answered, which sounds similar to that prayer, but that one wasn't answered? What do we do with that and why bother about the really small stuff? There's really big stuff going on in the world. There's, there's hunger and there's famine and there's poverty and there's violence and there's crime and there's climate crisis and a whole bunch of other stuff. Why would we pray about the small stuff? Why would we do that? Why would God care about that? Why this encouragement to pray about everything as we'll come to? And maybe we carry a lot of those questions. I don't know, in a room this size, we'll carry all kinds of questions about this thing called prayer. And you'll be really pleased to know I'm not going to answer or address any of them tonight. <laughs> because uh, we'll be here till kingdom come, and I don't have all the answers anyway. Um, but I'm wrestling like, like others are, and we need to do that. The disciples said, teach us to pray. In other words, we need to learn. It isn't something that we just get, and, and that's it, and off we go. No, it's a, it's a lifetime of, of learning, and even then we might feel like we're, we're paddling in the shallows. I so often do. You probably clock though, that as a church community, if you've been around a little while in the last few weeks, last few Sundays and weeks, we're, we're, we're addressing this whole thing about prayer by encouraging one another to read this book. It's called How to Pray. Seems like a pretty good title. Written by Pete Gregg, who's been teaching on this for a long time. And more than teaching, he practices what he preaches. Um, and so the encouragement is to engage with this book. I hope that many of you are. If you haven't got one, it's, please, it's not too late. Don't be, feel embarrassed. They're over there at the bookstall They're about, what are they, Nine ninety nine. If money's a problem, have a word with Andrew. He's got deep pockets. Uh, And we're engaging with this. And it's not as if all the answers are coming from here. What we're doing up here is just kind of reflecting back a few thoughts, a few contributions. I'm certainly not repeating Pete's words. I wouldn't begin to be able to. But I want to say this, if I may, as one of the leaders here. I do believe that this isn't just a nice thing to engage in. This isn't just another, hey, what should we do uh, this term? Oh, I know, let's do something on prayer because that's what Christians do, right? I actually believe that something extraordinarily powerful is possible here. I even think that God is encouraging a revolution in prayer. I actually believe that uh, we wrestle with a whole, we can talk about a whole load about prayer. And actually, I think the enemy quite often wants us to do that. He wants us to do almost anything, frankly, which distracts us from the point of the whole thing, which is to pray. However weak we may feel, however ill-equipped we may feel, the point is not to talk about it. The point is to do it. Now we do need to talk about it, we do need to wrestle, and if that book doesn't grab you or you've read it before or whatever, I've just been to the bookstore, there's a load of other great resources or online. So we do need to do the learning, but we need to do the praying because God has put this superpower in our hands. If you're here this morning, uh, there was some stuff around that and Hill spoke brilliantly this morning. This superpower that God has put into our hands is, is prayer. And the enemy will do anything that he can to deny us from wielding this superpower. So I do believe passionately that God wants to stir up a revolution of prayer. He'll initiate it because he initiates everything good. It will be up to us whether we give that our yes and to what extent we give that our yes. Whether we just sort of dip our toe in again and go, oh, yeah, pray that good Christian thing or I learned thing or two, but, or actually whether we come to believe that this is the most fundamental, powerful, extraordinary, world-changing superpower that he could possibly give us. And by the way, it's not really about prayer said this before, I said it a couple of weeks ago, prayer isn't in the end really about prayer, is it? Prayer is about God. Why is prayer powerful? Because God's powerful and prayer is the thing that connects us with God. So powerful. One of the, I'm going off piece here, but I, you won't mind. I'll, I may or may not come back on. Um, how, how long have you got? Um, I'm off to Macedonia on Tuesday. A huge privilege, having been away with, with Hills. I'm going to go with, with a bunch of other lovely people. I can see Kevin there, who's one of the, the kind of initiators of this, and one or two uh, that Hudson is going, and Elliot and, and Josh Cowling. Because we're, we're forming this partnership with uh, s- some folks in Macedonia. Kevin's been doing it for a while with a small charity, supporting some church people out there, some, some followers of Jesus out there, who are trying to change the nation, frankly. And in a place like Macedonia, and I would probably say in a place like Kenya, with whom we also have a partnership, I've got longer history with that particular partnership. One of the things, of course, that happens is they have fewer resources. The reality is they have fewer, stu- less stuff. And we might go, what a shame. And, it, and there's part of us that goes, yeah, it would be good if they had more stuff and you know, better healthcare and better education and that sort of thing. But one thing I've noticed is that when you have fewer resources and you want to follow God, you really lean into prayer. You really lean into prayer. You're not distracted by programs and really nice coffee and nice bookstores and all the things that we do. And I'm not dissing any of that. Of course, I'm not. I just think that it can become the thing that prevents us from doing the most important thing, which is to connect with God in prayer day by day for ourselves, for our families, for our groups, for the world, because it's the thing that changes the world. It's the only thing, actually, that changes the world for good. God is and Therefore, through prayer, this superpower that we wield. And so you go to a place like Kenya uh, and uh, amongst the followers of Jesus, and sure, there's all kinds of problems and issues, and I'm not going to glamorize poverty in any way. But what you see is a hunger to pray, and a dependence on God, a sharing of life with God that then releases power for other human lives to be changed. They're planting churches like Bilio. When we go to Macedonia on Tuesday with Kevin and the crew, I already know a little bit through connection with Kevin, and we'll be sharing a lot because part of the deal, by the way, is that this becomes something that many of us will be able to go to. It's cost 40 quid to get to Macedonia, it costs less than 100 quid for us to stay there. So this is really accessible, and it's not about what we do for them, let's be honest. It's not that Christian tourism thing. It's not, hey, we've got all the answers. We're going to go and do some stuff. We hope that we'll be useful. We hope that God will use us and bring something of value as we partner for sure. But I just know that one of the things we're going to see is a dependence on God amongst some of these young believers and a hunger and a thirst for more and a quest for learning and a prayerfulness that will challenge our own. And I just think this is incredibly important. I'm not sure I could say anything more important. Uh, or, or we could engage together as a family. It's not just 100 you know, Me or Hills or anything. It, it's all of us friends. If you consider yourself part of this church, even if you just be tiptoed into the beginnings of a relationship with Jesus, the only thing that's going to sustain you uh, alongside a bunch of others, but is prayer, essentially. It's connection with God. it's walking with him. It's wielding the superpower. So are you up for Are we up for? Don't answer this, because it's, it, it's too glib to answer it. Oh, yeah. But are you up for something of a revolution in that thing that we call your prayer life? Most revolutions start really slowly. They start with somebody taking a small step, and then another small step, and then another small step. But hey, friends, if we did, a, if we did that together, from wherever your starting point is, if you could take a small step today, this week, this month, this term, as we engage in this, as we allow God to remind us how incredibly powerful he is because he loves us. And therefore, what he can release into his world through his church, because that's how he's chosen to do it, he limits his power, his direct power, he chooses to partner with us to change the world, your world, our world, this world, Cheltenham, your university, your hall of residence, your home, your family, your friendship circle, nothing short of that. After all, let's read the history of the Bible, a bunch of scared, you know, motley collection of men and women a bit like us, they turn the world upside down. They had access to exactly the same things that we've got access to. Exactly the same. Same Holy Spirit. They just learned how to wield this, this superpower of prayer. No prayer, no power. Think about that. We saw a program the other, uh, just last night, actually, and it said on the, in, in a gym, it said, No guts, no glory. And I thought as I would just walked down, yeah, the, the equivalent for, for today is this, No prayer, no power. And we all want power. Not, I don't mean in the wrong way. We want things to change, right? Think, think, I'll give you five seconds to think, or ten seconds in your mind. What do I want to change? What do I want to change? That could be something you want to change about you, something you want to change about the world, society, an issue in, in, in the world. What do you want to change? We all want to change something. Nobody wants to, for everything to stay exactly the same. That needs Power. Some things that we can do, but the only lasting change comes from God, who is powerful. No prayer, no power. So, if we're not sure about the power of prayer, it's actually because we're not sure about the goodness of God. Let's just nail that one. If prayer is basically about God, not about prayer, then if we've got problems with, if we've got issues with prayer, actually, what we've got issues with is God. We've just got to, we've got to own that. That's okay. Because we're learning about God. It's a relationship, and, um, but we just need to understand that. It's not this entity that, oh, I'm good with God, but I don't like prayer. It doesn't work like that. So yeah, lots to learn, books, all so- sorts of things. But let's make progress. But especially let's talk less and, and pray more petition and intercession are two big words that get associated with prayer and they're chapters five and six in the book if you're tracking faithfully that's where we got to petition intercession to kind of you know bible type words theological type words at root without being oversimplistic, they just mean asking 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 for stuff for ourselves for others petition especially asking for things relating to me and my needs and my desires and the things that immediately influ- influence my circle. And then intercession, typically asking for others, asking for other situations, standing in that gap between God and a situation or a people group or, or neighbors or whatever and going, God, do something in this situation, move here. So, but it's all about asking. And some might say, well, hang on a minute, prayer's about a whole bunch of things. And it is, it's about silence and contemplation and meditation and reflection and listening and lament and all of those things. They're all hugely important parts of prayer. And some might say the asking bit feels a bit selfish. It's all about these other things. Well, hang on a minute. The Lord's Prayer, which is where Jesus tells us how to pray, the model prayer, is full of asking. Give us bread, God. Daily pray. pray like this, says Jesus. Give us daily bread. We're praying for your kingdom to come. We're praying for forgiveness. We're praying for strength to overcome temptation. The Lord's Prayer is full of asking for stuff. So let's not be worried uh, that there's something kind of, ooh, a bit dodgy about asking for stuff. Absolutely not. And would you notice the massive range involved? Daily bread, in the same same line of the Lord's Prayer, daily bread, kingdom come. I love that. And with fresh force, I felt the Lord saying to me, Tim, pray about everything. Philippians 4.6, uh, if you remember Mike Darbandi, good friend, he was on, on the staff here for a long time. He, he, he used to forget that, so he had it tattooed on, the for, on his forearm here. Philippians 4.6, <laughs> part of which verse says, pray about everything, daily bread through to kingdom come. So hang on a minute, that's about practical, daily, potentially small, seemingly trivial, basic things relating to me. Daily bread, right? Provision. I need some help with my assignment. Uh, The car won't start. I've got a headache. You know, whatever, whatever. Just the daily stuff. That through to nation changing. Your kingdom come is a massive prayer. It's to say, the kingdom of God, the domain of God, the rule of God, the reign of God come in this way, which might apply to. Um, I saw Josie earlier, Josie has been to a country which I suppose I'm not allowed to name publicly but it's quite a dodgy communist country where you're not really allowed to go we're praying for regime change in that place we pray for the persecuted church, we pray for you know, difficult places, for God's kingdom to come so from daily bread to nation changing all of it, pray about all of it says God, ask about all of it don't you think that's amazing? We're equally welcome at both ends of that spectrum and all points in between. So let's not worry about, um, you know, well, I just concentrate on this bit or that bit. All of it, God God is interested in. I want to read a couple of prayers uh, just so we make sure that we we anchor this in some scripture. They're beautiful prayers, one from the Old Testament, one from the New. Could have picked lots and lots, but pick these ones. They're up on the screen. Uh, Sorry, I don't have my usual elaborate uh, keynote tonight, but I've got a couple of scriptures up here. 2 Kings 19, there's this king called Hezekiah, and uh, he's in trouble. There's some threats from the enemy um, to invade his land, long story short. And he gets this message from the messengers, and, and, he, and they read it. And then Hezekiah, what does he do? He goes up to the temple of the Lord, and I love this phrase, and he spread it out before the Lord. He gets this, this bad news, gets this, this thing, and he spreads it out in the presence of God. Imagine that. And then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, you're the God of Israel. You're enthroned because you're the king between the cherubim. Ask Andrew what they are later. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You made heaven and earth. What's he doing? He's reminding himself. He's reminding himself. He's not reminding God. God knows who he is. He's reminding himself, but in the presence of God, God, you're, this is who you are. Give here, Lord, hear, open your eyes. Skip a couple of verses, verse 19. Now, Lord God, deliver us from the enemy's hand. Why? So that all the kingdoms of the earth would know that you alone are Lord and God. It's a stunning prayer. We'll come back to it in a second. I'll pull a couple of things out of it. I want to give us a New Testament one as well, Acts 4. You might know this prayer, one of my favorite inspiring prayers in the Bible. Again, you've got the disciples beginning to kind of get going. Uh, They're praying a lot together. Uh, Peter and John get into trouble. They get released miraculously and they go back. Verse 23 of Acts 4. Thanks, James. They went back to their own people who are praying, by the way. They reported everything that chief priests and the religious leaders, the elders, had said to them. And when the disciples, their friends, heard this, who were in a prayer meeting at the time, they raised their voices together, carrying on in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, King, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea. See what's going on there? They're reminding themselves who this is that we're praying to. It's not this funny, we're wielding this thing called prayer. How does it work again? Oh, no, I know what it is. God, we're talking to you because you've asked us to, and we can. You made everything. You made everything. You're powerful, in other words. You're in charge of everything. In fact, Herod and Pontius Pilate, a few verses later, they met together with the Gentiles, the people of Israel in the city. They conspired. In other words, humans did their worst that they could possibly do against your servant and son, Jesus, whom you anointed. But actually, without knowing it, they did exactly what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. No, 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 no. You, you weren't fooled by that. And now, lords. Consider their threats. There's there's pressure again. The enemy wants to close this thing down, close your work down. So consider their threats. Not, by the way, stop them. They didn't pray to get rid of the threats or the persecution. Interesting. Enable us, we're your servants, to speak your word with great boldness. Fantastic prayer. What a great prayer. Specific, powerful. Stretch out your hand, God, to heal and perform signs and wonders. We know that it'll come through our hands, but ultimately it's your power through us. Through the name of your servant Jesus. And they prayed, and the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. That is the kind of prayer meeting I want to be part of. How about you? Now, you can't manufacture that, we can't manufacture that, but friends, I think we can capture a vision of the power and importance of wielding this superpower of prayer that enables us to be inspired and to go, actually, this is extraordinary. We have something in our hands. God has given us something in our hands because of who he is. That is amazing. I think there's no excuse for a boring prayer meeting. I just don't. If we understand what's really going on there. Asking. Asking, asking, asking. All about asking. So many examples about asking, asking. Ask about everything. Petition, intercession. Ask with inspiration. Just two or three things from these verses. Ask with Inspiration. The the true meaning of the word inspiration is to breathe in, right? It's to inspire. It's to take in. This is a partnership. This isn't just a human activity. All through the scriptures, as in here, we're seeing the partnering of the Holy Spirit and his people. We're, We're asked to pray continually to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We partner with him. To live as a follower of Jesus is to walk, not independently of him, but with him. How, how with him? By the, by the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And as we partner, so he inspires us. So, so he, he helps us to uh, bring our petitions and bring requ- requests to him. I was thinking, actually, in our culture, uh, a secular petition, a petition, you know, is, is the thing that you sign as a citizen of the United Kingdom to persuade a reluctant government to change its mind about something, usually, Right? Bible petition is made as a citizen of God's kingdom, not the United Kingdom, as a child of the king in order to ask a willing government, that is to say God, to fulfill the very thing that he wants to do and he's just waiting for us to ask. And a a secular petition is signed in my name and your name and lots of names. Bible petitions are signed in Jesus' name. In other words, according to, that's not just some magic thing you tack on to the end of a prayer to make it legit. That's the thing that says, God, I I want to align this prayer, my will, my heart, my request, my desires, my whole being. I want to align them with you, with your character. Name means character. And the character of Jesus, I want to, could, could there be an alignment? And that's what happens. The more we track with Jesus, the more we're filled with his spirit, the more we partner. Our hearts get changed. They begin to align with his heart. And we begin asking the stuff that he's only just so pleased to say yes to. We remind ourselves of God's good character. It's really interesting. Uh, Roosevelt, um, the president of the States uh, on D-Day, June 1944. I didn't know this before I was researching. Uh, He gave an incredible speech on the radio to the entire nation. And you know what? It wasn't a speech. It was a prayer. Incredibly brave. It's only, what, 80 years ago. He said, I'm not going to speak to you. I'm going to pray. And he began, Almighty God. And he prayed, read it. It's the most amazing, amazing prayer. And he reminds God of uh, of who God is and that God's powerful, that God's with us. And he says, many people uh, wanted me to call a national day of prayer. He said, no, I'm not going to call a national day of prayer. But within the prayer, he says, and God, would you bless us, everyone listening to this, morning and evening. I haven't got the exact quote, sorry. But every morning and every evening to continue in prayer, would you give us faith? And at the end, he he ends it with the Lord's Prayer. He says, may and ultimately, may your kingdom come and your will be done, almighty God. I found that so extraordinarily powerful and and inspiring. The prime minister, Dutch prime minister at the time, said, uh, said, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. So don't let your kingdom come become a religious catchphrase, shorthand for just a few less people leaving our churches, and a few more homeless people receiving a sandwich. There is not a square inch of domain of our human existence over which Jesus Christ, who is king over all, does not cry, it is mine. So let us confidently, persistently welcome Jesus into every square inch of domain of our human existence. Wherever we see the tyranny of enemy occupation at work in our lives or in the lives of others, let us pray for Christ's kingdom to come instead, saying defiantly, Not my will, Lord, but yours. I think it's just extraordinary. Pray about everything from the massive, those are massive things. Hang on, Tim, you talk about Second World War and Roosevelt and, uh, and so on. Remember, nation change here, daily bread here, and all points in between. Let me, let me give you a more personal example of, uh, of how I have felt to pray in a, in a way that's inspired by the Lord. I, can't, I haven't got time for the long story. The short version is, at significant moments of my life, I've asked God not just to, rem, to reassure me that he's with me, but to do so through something very specific. And some of you know this because I've shared it over, from, over the years from time to time. He sends kingfishers. I love kingfishers. I'm not a bird watcher, but I think kingfisher is the most beautiful bird. And I'm going to say at least half a dozen times, Uh, in the last 20 years, at very significant moments, God has sent a Kingfisher. There was one particular moment when I was teaching at the college and contemplating feeling that we might be called to a a new kind of chapter of life and that I was to train um, to do the kind of thing that I do now. And uh, that's quite a big deal. Um, And I was up by the lake at a little part of the college, and Kingfishers don't normally hang out by lakes. um, And I had never seen one there in 12 years there. And I prayed that prayer. God I just need to know that you're with me I just need to know that you're in this how about a kingfisher right now and a kingfisher not only appeared at the lake and they they never do I don't think they ever do this I was standing on a concrete paving slab it came and it flew and it sat there right there for about three minutes now does that always happen? no how do you explain that? don't know do you want to be cynical about that? feel free do you think I'm cynical about that? absolutely not what was going on there? The Lord wants us to bring out, wants us to pray. Sure, there's mystery. We've, we've dealt with that. Read the book. I know there's disappointment here. I don't want to oversimplify over that. But my goodness, what happened in that moment? My father, who loves me, was pleased to answer a prayer that is in line with his will. Why? Because he wants to share life with me. He wants us to share life with him. What kid doesn't want to do life with loving parents? That's the deal. That's part of, that's the main answer to why do we need to pray about small stuff when God knows it anyway? That's the answer. Because he's into relationship more than he's into answers. He's into inviting us to participate with him in that way. A small example, but powerful, personal, present, specific too. I think we've touched on motivation. He- Hezekiah, uh, so that was inspiration, motivation. I'm going to speed up. Um, Hezekiah prays, at the end you notice, so that all the kingdoms of the earth will, will know so there's just a watchword there, isn't there, around, I said this a couple of weeks ago, as we engage in prayer, just to, just to check in our prayer life, who, who's it all about? And in one sense, of course, it's fine that it's about me. I've just said that the father invites the kids to share stuff all the time. And that's great. But if that's the only thing, and if it's all about me, then actually I'm pretty much at the center of that all the time, aren't I? And God is this kind of celestial 999 service who I just dial up to help me out and bail me out of difficult situations or whatever. We need to just watch that, watch the motivation thing. The verse in James that said, you don't get because you're asking with the wrong motives. You're asking because you're greedy, essentially. You want to use it for your own pleasure. So he's not going to bless that kind of prayer, not because he's mean and stingy and doesn't want to be generous, but he, he knows that greed is not good for us. Greed in the end hurts us and hurts others and he's a good father he knows how to deal with those kind of prayers Spurgeon uh, was a fantastic uh, preacher evangelist missionary church leader in the 19th century and he was asked uh, as his church was full of uh, thousands of people he was asked what's the secret of your success he said uh, it's not a secret he said come with me and he led people who would ask that question uh, downstairs into the, the basement of the building where not just during the meetings when there were meetings where he was preaching the gospel upstairs, but actually at many other points too, there were at least 100 people praying con- constantly out of compassion, out of, with, with, with zeal, with energy, for especially for those who didn't yet know Jesus. So that's... He, he called it the boiler room. I love that. That's why you might have heard that phrase, more contemporary, it's being used. But that's where it started. He called it the boiler room because it's the engine. That's, that's not the secret, but that's why success is that. What were those people? What was the motive of those people? Was it for their own glory? Absolutely not. It was for the glory of God. It was to see the kingdom extended. It was to see lives changed, and it, and it did. And just We hear the story of life changing, but you, you follow anything back to its roots, and it's all in people praying, isn't it? Hill's told uh, the story this morning of... Um, of uh, Brother Andrew, who is an extraordinary uh, saintly man who who founded a prayer movement, Open Doors is... an organization that we still support now praying for the persecuted church he had this thing in the early 80s we need to pray against the the oppression of communism the way it just traps people and you know oppresses them and so he started praying in in the 80s at the same time in east germany just the other side of the wall in leipzig there was a uh, a church leader who also had the same conviction started praying for peace the first time he prayed there was nobody who joined him he was on his own in a church that held 8,000 people But again, long story short, over time, over the 80s, that that one person grew to two, grew to 20, grew to 50, grew to thousands. And October the 9th, 1989, there were, I think it was 8,000 people, it was full in the church, there were 70,000 outside. Uh, and they began to move out of the building. They walked past the East German police and t- temperatures were running very, very high. Uh, there was the threat of, of violence. There were people with soldiers with guns. They walked straight past them just praying, God, peace, 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 peace to this land, freedom in Jesus' name. And, uh, and the police, for whatever reason, didn't shoot. The, uh, the next week, the East German chancellor resigned. The next week, there were 120,000 on the streets. The next week, there were 300,000 as part of this, uh, what was called a prayer protest reported like that and the next week the Berlin exactly a month November the 9th 1989 the Berlin Berlin Wall came down where there's no prayer there's no power an East German official said we'd reckoned on everything late later a high official in the government said we had reckoned on everything except for candles and prayers couldn't deal with what God was doing spiritually <clears throat> perspiration last one perspiration Motiv- inspiration motivation perspiration keep going keep going keep going you read most of the stuff you do it, go in the concordance on prayer see what Jesus said a lot of what he said was keep going keep going keep going keep going it's what Pete Gregg I rather like this Calls stacking another domino you know when you stack dominoes why is not God why didn't God answer the prayer the first time that's one of the tricky questions you have to read the book but Domino, keep stacking a domino. Keep praying, keep praying, keep going. Keep praying, keep praying. There's something about keeping going. I believe personally that's mainly to do with relationship as well. Drawing near to the heart of the Father. Get growing in hunger. Keep going, keep praying. And then eventually the, you know, the, the one domino falls and, and, and the whole stack uh, descends as well. We love ASAP prayers and there's nothing wrong with them as soon as possible. Mark Buchanan says you need to learn to pray ALAT prayers as long as it takes. As long as it takes. I've got time for another story. I just want to remind us, though, to, to finally of of, of uh, what you might call personal chattering kind of a prayer. I think we've spoken a bit about that. Walking with Jesus, the kind of what I call personal chatter, just sharing your day with Him, just learning to grow in that practice, that healthy habit. To give it a rather strange name, it's more than that, isn't it? It's just relationship with the Father. So personal chatter, bringing to him, all, all, all just the stuff of the day, specific things, specific requests. I remember Hills was reminding me earlier of a time when we were on the beach with my parents down in Dorset, he used to live in Dorset, and um, it was my father who had driven there, and um, our son Tom thought it was hilarious to pick up the car keys and bury them in the sand when nobody was watching. <laughs> on a beach. Studland Beach is quite big, if you know it. No, I didn't. none of us saw him do it. Oh, yeah, I buried the Great. <laughs> And um, there's some dispute as to whether it was uh, Hills or I who prayed this prayer. We, we both claim <laughs> holiness in this one. I, it was probably Hills because she is more holy than me. Um, what was her instant? Oh, no, panic, panic. Oh, gosh, what are we going to do? What are we, have you, how, you know, da, da. no. First first reaction, personal chatter, pray with God, bring it to him. Jesus, specific prayer, show us where the car keys are. Do you pray those kind of prayers? Uh, it, but that's an inspired, creative kind of a prayer, isn't it? But in a way, it's kind of a normal prayer. It's the sort of thing you want to ask him. You're powerful. Show us where the car keys are. And she felt to go to this spot, or was it me? I can't remember. We can argue. And, uh, and we dug, and there, were the, and there were the car keys. What are you going to call that? Coincidence? Are we Are going to be cynical about that? In, in, you know, beautiful. Pers- the personal chatter. But then there's the contending stuff. Back to the perspiration point. Jesus in Gethsemane, sweating blood because he was contending wrestling with stuff what are you wrestling with in prayer do you wrestle for something is there something on your heart that God has put on your heart that that just causes you to I so want that thing to change whatever that thing might be sex trafficking or you know whatever will you wrestle will you will you you contend will we be a, a church that contends oh dear so many more stories I'm gonna I'm gonna end there let me end like this Oswald Chambers the real business of your life is prayer Hear that? It's not the Bible, but it's close. The real business of your life is prayer. Prayer doesn't fit us for the greater works of God. Prayer is the greatest work. And why? Because we get a, we get a seat at the cabinet, don't we? We get a seat at the, the governing table. If we want something to change then why would we not take advantage of this superpower, the gift that God has given us, God the Father has given us, to to come around the cabinet table, to co-labor even with him in prayer? May we be a church that continually prays, that learns, and we need to learn, learn to be like children, learn to be childlike, to become more childlike. Would we learn to wield this gift? Would we learn to pray, Lord Teach us to pray. Can we echo that? Can we ask that God would do a revolution in this local body of his? Because we'll change the world.